Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Buddy, we are back. We are all back. Major League Baseball is back. New York Mets baseball is back. It is, uh, the sun has risen once again. This is very, very exciting. Uh, there's so much going on. We're going to have Taryn Sharman. He's going to be on later. We can go over some CBA uh, details, give us kind of the, uh, I guess, the explanation on the X's and O's there. Real quick, I guess we're going to blow through, uh, Mets news. There's just an overabundance of it right now. I do have little notes here. Uh, Brandon Nimmo spoke to the media corps on Saturday, said that he'd be open to discussing an extension with the Mets. We have talked about this on the show. We talked about it at the Apple. Uh, When Brandon Nimmo is healthy, he's a difference maker. There's no doubt about that. Uh, He's been one of the more productive hitters in, in baseball. Um, since he's come up, but he's just got to stay on the field. I think he's only played 100 games in the majors once. I think some of the pressure, uh, pressure, uh, just he won't have to be relied on to be the the straw that stirs the drink. He won't have to be that guy anymore. He has so many tools around him now. And it's not like Nimmo was ever ever the focal point, but I think we saw last year how important he is or at least he was to that roster um, coming together. I mean, we've talked about how, you know, the Mets offense in July last year was the best offense in baseball. It all fell apart, but it all kind of coincided with Nemo getting back on the field, getting back on his, uh, in his rhythm. And it went from there. So, you know, I'm sure the numbers will come out in the wash regarding uh, his track record of, of, of staying healthy. Um, he did hire Scott Boris as his agent, so you know the Mets aren't going to get a sweetheart deal. But yeah, I, I have to imagine that uh, there's certainly a spot for Brandon Nimmo and Queens moving forward. And um, he is a dynamic offensive player; he's a more than capable defensive player. Uh, he really struggled in center field in 2020. Uh, then last season, I, he pretty sure he flipped his outs above average right around. He was negative four in 2020 and plus four in 2021. Heading into 2022 with Starling Marte, uh, you know, you, you have to assume that he's not going to be the Mets' exclusive center fielder. I, I assume there will be some uh, moving around out there, and he will get reps. But, you know, the Mets don't need him to be the the focal point that he was. And that's a, that's a great thing. And moving forward, I mean, if he can stick around at the right number, I think that's a win for everybody. Again, it just comes down to him staying on the field. Uh, Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer arrived at camp on Saturday, spoke to the media. It kind of deferred uh, deferred the ace status to Jacob deGrom. He also noted that's why he's here, was to, to team up with Jacob deGrom, and that just gives you all the tingles, all the feelings. Very cool. And, um, yeah, all business. He's getting out there, going right to work. You saw him walk right in. He, uh, I think SNY posted a video. He Somebody held the uh, the gate open for him to get into the stadium. He stopped, shook the guy's hand. Just total gentleman. I thought that was very cool. And, uh, 
yeah, just, I mean, that's, ah, uh, it's until we see it on the mound, until we see it happen, it just doesn't feel real that Max Scherzer is a New York Met, but there he is. He's, he's, he's here. And then on Sunday, of course, Jacob deGrom arrived. Uh, I guess Mets GM Billy Epler and uh, owner Steve Cohen, I'm sorry, uh, Manager Cohen spoke too, but Epler and Showalter, Mets manager Buck Showalter, uh, noted during their session with the media on Sunday that Jake has no restrictions. He's not starting with any restrictions. He's coming off of the uh, the the elbow, uh, the AC, uh, the UCL tear, uh, with with no issues, and that's extremely good to hear. Um, and the Mets, of course, got got busy on the uh, on the on the roster front. On Saturday, they went out and traded for 2021 American League All-Star Chris Bassett. Uh, he's a 33-year-old right-hander from the A's. They sent over their fifth-ranked prospect via MLB Pipeline, JT Ginn, uh, right-hander. He was a second-round pick in 2020. He was a first-round pick in 2019, but had uh, Tommy John surgery. So uh, went back to school. Mets took him and, um, you know, had big plans for him, but... You know, when you're filling out your championship aspiration roster, you you know you have to part with with good prospects. And they also let Adam Oller go in the uh, in the deal, who was a rule a minor league phase Rule Five draft selection from the Giants in 2019. Uh, really had a nice <laughs> took a lot of tremendous strides in 2021 between double a uh, excuse me double a binghamton and triple a syracuse and uh was i guess put onto the uh the mets 40-man roster uh to protect him from the rule five draft this year which of course never happened but yeah um he, the mets were able to flip adam Aller and uh, and a you know a very highly regarded prospect in jt again into chris bassett and you know chris bassett he's he's really got all the tools. I mean, you look up and down his, his stat sheet, and he throws six different pitches. He's got a sinker leading the way, four-seam, cutter, change-up, slider, and curve behind it. Throws a curve only like 5% of the time, but it's a nasty, nasty curveball. Uh, last season was, you know, across the board, just a, an ace-level pitcher, an ace, a number one-level pitcher. I mean, he was top 30 in a number of statistics, and there's 30 teams in Major League Baseball. You do the math. Uh, 9.1 strikeouts per nine, 2.23 walks per nine, 0.86 homers per nine, uh, and 3.3 F war. Those were all, uh, I guess, 29th, 23rd, 11th on the homers per nine, and 27th on the F war. Uh, 1.06 whip was good for 10th among the uh, among the same group. He limits hard hard contact. That 27.6% hard hit was 11th in the majors. Uh, throws strikes and gets strikes consistently. 28% called strike and whiff rate. That was 28th in the majors. <laughs> I liked this one. 17th highest fly ball rate. That was 33, the 38.3%. Uh, he also had the fifth lowest home run fly ball rate, 9.2%. So, you know, he's totally fine letting the ball go in the air because whatever he's doing, he's keeping it in the park and it's working. And that's, you know, that's great. And you're adding him into the mix. And now you got two aces and three number threes. And however you want to line up Bassett, Carrasco and Walker, <laughs> that's solid, man. And now you get to push, you know, the, the very solid depth that you had lined up in Tyler McGill, David Peterson, Jordan Yamamoto, Trevor Williams, Joey Lucchese will be ready at some point this season. Um, 
you know, those guys are now your deep, your, 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 your long men, your depth guys in the minors, whatever you need them to be. Now you've got real depth. And the Mets went out and did the same thing on the, uh, on the relief side on Sunday. They went out and signed Adam Adovino, uh, Adovino, excuse me, who's of course a little bit, I don't want to say past his prime. He, he's 36 years old and he's, he's been up and down in recent years, but they've been a couple of really wacky years. I don't really hold that against him. You look at his numbers last year, and he's still doing his thing. He's, you know, uh, barrel rate was just under 5%, 4.9%. That was in the 90th percentile in the majors. Average exit velocity was 86.1%. That's the 93rd percentile in the majors. 30.1 hard hit rate. This is StatCast hard hit rate, which is a little different than Fangraphs. Uh, that's the 95th percentile. Um, his slider, extremely effective, extremely, um, oh my goodness, just a live slider. 8.1 av- uh, inches of average horizontal movement. Uh, that is, I don't even have the ranking here. Very, very highly ranked in the majors. 19 averages, 19 inches on average horizontal movement on that slider, which is uh, tops in the majors. So again, just extremely solid depth to fill out what was already an extremely deep bullpen. Um, Epler. And Showalter spoke, again, they spoke on, on Sunday a little bit regarding, uh, I guess, where they're at now. Cohen, of course, said that he has no problem spending more money. We'll get to that in the second half once Taron joins us. But uh, Epler did, he, he didn't necessarily rule out. He said, uh, I guess they'd be surprised, he'd be surprised if they, if the Mets added another big bat to their lineup. But he said, he also said, you can never say no to opportunity. So take that as you might, uh, as you may, however you <laughs> however you look at it. Um, I, you know, the Mets, I believe Fangraphs has their, this is their competitive balance tax payroll. That's at $285.5 million after bringing in Adovino. And of course, that uh, that fourth tier threshold is $290 million. So there's going to be some, um, you know, the Mets are going to be either coming very close to getting into that fourth tier threshold, or they're going to surpass it and blow right past it. But we'll have to see how that all pans out. When we do come back, we're going to hear from Taryn Sharma, of course, our buddy over at Conduct, uh, Conduct, excuse me, Conduct Detrimental, who will uh, kind of break down the financial side of this, the labor uh, collective bargaining side of things and give us a clearer picture of what the players and the union actually came away with and uh, whether they got some of the, um, I guess the progress they were hoping to walk away with. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hang tight. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are back, as promised. Our buddy Taryn is short. Uh, excuse me. Shit. All right, we're going to start that again. Sorry, Andrew. <laughs> All right, three, two. Hey, everybody. We're back. Taryn Sharm is back with us. Welcoming him back to the show. Taryn, of course, is from Conduct Detrimental and the Sports Law Review newsletter. 
course, go check that out. Uh, Taryn, welcome back. Hey, uh, thanks so much for having me back, Tim. Really uh, excited to talk baseball and talk Mets with you. Yeah, man. Oh, it's exciting times. For a little while there, I really, I really, I was genuinely concerned that things were, uh, were really going to drag on. Yeah, I, I was too. I think we were both on the side that no matter how long it took, we wanted the players to get uh, a good deal, um, whatever the best deal that they could get was. And I think they ended up with a pretty solid deal, but we can talk more about the, uh, the specifics and, and maybe where the owners uh, prevailed. Yeah, no, most definitely. I think that's I think that's where a lot of just I mean, everyone from casual to intense, like, you know, stat head baseball fans, you know, in, in some areas of this of the CBA and stuff like that. You know, personally, of course, I'm I, I'm not a collective bargainer. I don't know the ins and outs. But um, yeah, I think like you said, I think as fans, um the players are the product that we pay to see. And I think everyone, or at least me and you and, and, and like-minded individuals, I think we all just wanted to see, like you said, the players get their, uh, their fair share. And um, over the last few CBAs, the, the owners in the league probably came out on top. And uh, I guess a big, you know, a general broad sense, a broad goal of the union was to kind of claw some of, some of that back. Do you think that they accomplished that goal? Yeah, well, I, I think that if you take it from the player perspective that, hey, we're setting out the main goal is that we want our younger players to get paid earlier because the run-of-the-mill large free agent contract isn't what it used to be, then yeah, they undoubtedly succeeded in that goal uh, for a couple of reasons. First of all, that minimum salary going up, I think, is the most significant part everyone is going to be getting paid more. And so that really makes a big difference. Uh, I, I think it was uh, up to 700,000 now, and it'll go up to 780,000 through the, uh, the lifetime of this five-year deal. That makes a big difference to uh, the players who really aren't bonus babies, right? So the players that aren't getting big first five round kind of bonus money right when they're drafted, uh, those guys who grind and get their way to the major leagues, whether it's for uh, like a few games or for a full season, $700,000 is a lot of money. So I'm really excited that they got that. The second part is that pre-arbitration pool. So that's never existed before. And uh, I think that that's one place where the owners and the players were kind of far apart on what number they thought was uh, appropriate for that. But they ended up at about $50 million. And I think that that's going to make a big difference for about the top 30 or so pre-arbitration players. So these are the players that aren't going to qualify under Super 2. They're not going to be in the 3-plus where they can uh, get to arbitration. So those players, I think, could see bonuses of about a million dollars or so, uh, maybe even more based on what their uh, what their war output is. Um, so I, I think in that sense, it's a really, really good deal. Oh, for sure. I mean, we, we've talked about Pete Alonzo on the show in the past, how, you know, he's one of the more productive young players, pre-arbitration players in baseball um, during his time, uh, you know, most home runs in the majors since he's come up. And, uh, you know, he made more in winning home run derbies than he did in, in salary. Now, he won a rookie of the year, I believe, right? <laughs> uh, he took it home in, 20, in 2019, right? With the home run, with the home run record, now I have to check. I'm pretty yeah, sure he did. Yeah, 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 ye
2019, he, he won it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So he, he would have taken <laughs> a, a, a lion's share, not a lion's share, but if there was, I, think, I guess there's a designated number as far as that bonus pool um, going to pre-R players who, who come in higher in Cy Young or MVP or Rookie of the Year right. voting, stuff like that. And then the rest gets divided among the um, the top 30 by war, right? Or, or something similar to war, what, whatever Major League Baseball is going to uh, implement. Right. And and so with that, he would have also gotten an additional benefit because the top two finishers for rookie of the year in both leagues, they're going to get a an additional year of service time. So he would be up for free agency a year earlier. And I think that that would be uh, probably the biggest benefit of that, in addition to the bonus money that he would have received. So that's another thing that the players were able to to get out of this deal. And uh, and I think that that'll be good for the best of the best young players. It would have eliminated uh, Chris Bryant's final year, the whole arbitration yeah. year, the whole, uh, I guess the issue between the service time and they would have eliminated it because he won the MVP back in 2016. It, it would have uh, benefited him. And, uh, and it's also interesting to consider whether the Cubs would have even done that because there's also uh, in this new deal, there's incentives for teams that are going to bring up players uh, and have them on opening day rosters. And then they go on to have uh, success in the end of the year awards. Those teams would be rewarded with additional draft picks. So that's one way that we're starting to see uh, approaching the service time manipulation issue that has you know, clearly been a problem. And I think that with Chris Bryant, we talked about this last time when I was on, everyone could see that that was a problem. It was like a blatant flaunting of, uh, you know, we can keep you down for this certain number of days because we know what the super two number is going to be. Sure. Uh, And he still lost his case. So (laughs) this is uh, hopefully a a first attempt at addressing that. And if it, if it fails, then, you know, we'll go back to the drawing board in about five years, I think, because that's something that, that really needs to be addressed, not just because, the players deserve to get paid more, but even for us as fans, we want to see the best young players, especially if my team is average, they're not spending money in the, in the free agent market. Our payroll is low. All we've got is prospects then. And I want to see those prospects. That's what's going to get me out to the ballpark. So uh, I, there, there are quite a few things I think to be excited about in this new deal. Oh, most definitely. Now, you, you were talking about some areas before we get into the competitive balance tax. You were you were talking about some areas that maybe the owners, I guess, got it leaned in the owner's favor. What, yeah. what exactly in which in which areas? Because I think generally the players did come out on top here, right? Yeah, I, I think that they got uh, out on top because they focused on a few things. They didn't. I remember at the outset they were kind of maybe talking about broaching revenue sharing and and maybe a, a change to that how the uh, the owners divvy that up. They didn't ultimately get to touch that. So the owners win in the sense that the basic system, which has led to revenues increasing by astronomical figures, the value of the franchise is increasing due to uh, this basic cost certainty. That system is still in place. The area where I think that the owners got the biggest win is their control over the game. So now with this 45-day committee, the, this mix of uh, MLB officials and, and I think union members are going to be able to um, 
imposed rule changes beginning in 2023 with 45 days notice. So really they didn't have to bargain out all of the individual changes that they want to make to the game. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're instead going to be able to talk about whether it's pitch clocks, larger bases, banning the shift, uh, robot umpires. They're going to be able to talk about those things and make changes in a 45 day window. So I, I think that that is in itself a major win for the owners. And then uh, the, the the last thing would be that the owners really unlocked a couple of new sources of revenue here. Um, I think that we've all recognized that the regional sports network model isn't really going to survive uh, cord cutting, and it's going to be up to the teams to figure out additional ways of revenue. And we've seen that a lot with the way that they've developed these areas around the the new publicly funded ballparks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all of that is it's, it's baseball revenue, right? But it's not baseball related revenue. So it, it, it's not really being touched by uh, the players. So the owners, that's pure profit for them. They're not paying for these stadiums in their entirety. And then they get really sweet land deals on all of the land around it. And they typically build in these areas where property values are kind of low. So they, they buy up all this property and then they develop it at, at a sweetheart deal. And then they're able to, to make all that money. So that's part of it. And then they've uh, made an agreement for uniforms to have patches and helmets to have advertising patches. And I hate that. I, I'm like a very big purist when it comes to the aesthetics of baseball. I think that that's part of what makes it my favorite sport. And so now uh, it's going to be just like the NHL or the NBA where there's going to be uniform patches, but that's going to bring in a significant amount of money, I think, for the owners. So they won in those areas. Yeah. And, and I guess it kind of comes back to, I guess, you know, the players of the union, the players association went into this knowing that, you know, we got to get back what we can. And I, I I want to say they did because they did, you know, there's tangible progress here. There's certainly stuff that they can hang their hat on and say, Hey, look, this, this is a better situation than we were in before. Now we saw this, these negotiations get really, really tense and, and, you know, downright ugly at points, the way that it came together and, and it almost, it almost seemed diplomatic at the end. I know that, you know, a lot of the post, the, the, the post agreement, press conferences, you know, that's all just, yeah, blah, 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 whatever. Um, I I honestly feel that, you know, both sides kind of got a a good idea of how to get across to each other over the last few days of negotiations. Do you foresee another, you know, just another just blowout in five years when they have to do this again? Or do you think that they made actual progress on on as far as coming to a compromise? Yeah, I, I think that they are in definitely in a better spot, right? Because they've they've addressed some of the issues head on as opposed to like dancing around it. And then we'll do it again in five years um, with with minor changes. I think that the um, that that pre-arb pool is a big deal. Cause, and then the draft pick compensation that's tied to having players on rosters at the beginning of the year that I mentioned. Yeah, I think those are, are really big for addressing re- some of the key issues, because if you're commoditizing the players and then you're not going to pay them in free agency and all of this uh, emphasis is going to be on the efficiency of it. And we're really going to prioritize the cheapest possible player because 
we know that younger players are capable of more at, at this point uh, per dollar. I think that you have to have a way to reward them. So the, the union prioritized that and they were able to get it. I think that hopefully that puts us in a better position. The other thing that um, I, I, I like that they did is that they didn't force the international draft issue. So they have until July 25th, I believe, mm-hmm. to make a decision. Now, they did tie that to the qualifying offer. The qualifying offer, the players obviously won eliminated, eliminated because um, there are some estimates that it could be worth like $100 million to the, the players to have this eliminated, that free agent contracts would be that much bigger, especially for like the middle class of the the union's membership, which um, has been talked about a little bit more recently mm-hmm. in that it's not necessarily about the biggest stars, the Bryce Harpers and the Manny Machados of it all, but you know, your, your regular players like Mark Canna or, or somebody like that. So I, I think that the fact that they're going to have to continue discussing it uh, through this middle of the summer, this first half of the season I think that that's that's really good because it's not just, um, you know, kind of like boxing where, you know, they're they're fighting, they're fighting and then it's to your corners. They're going to continue meeting about this central issue where they both have something to gain. The owners have something to gain. And again, cost certainty, but uh, they can also have just more control over the uh, the process of bringing in these international players. Um, and then the, uh, the players have a lot to gain in the value of eliminating the qualifying offer. Um, and, and I do believe that the, while the biggest bonuses might not be the same for the international players, mm-hmm. uh, there is a, a possible benefit in that the total value of a bonus pool for an, a, a full international draft might be higher than what the, uh, the top international players were getting collectively um as amateurs so i i think that that's uh, another opportunity for them to to come together and avoid a future 100 day lockout like this was uh, this this work stoppage really had um uh it, it had the potential to derail the sport at a time when it could hardly afford it oh my goodness and if they would have let that continue a little bit further it really could have done serious damage it was um yeah you know, I think if had, they had missed if they had missed Jackie Robinson Day, like that would have been such a slap in the face for every baseball fan, and I'm not sure whether uh, a lot of a lot of fans would have come back at that point. And and baseball at this point can't really afford to lose the fans that they have. We need to build on what's there. Oh, for sure. And you know, and it's Jackie Robinson Day. It's just it's the 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 black eye of 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 missing games due to something that felt so unnecessary from the start. And, um, and of course, everything kind of hinged on the competitive balance tax and, you know, all the money that, that the union hopes the teams are going to spend if they eliminate the qualifying offer. I mean, again, it all comes back to getting teams to spend to win. Now the competitive balance tax, of course, was a huge, huge, huge point of contention uh, throughout negotiations. The players, the players' association, actually saw you know significant gains in this department. The the and I, I realized listening listening back to my last show, I had two fourteen in my head thinking about the proposal that was out. I said it like three or four times <laughs> on the last show. It was actually two ten last year. But anyway, yeah. uh, MLB got the um, 
uh, the competitive balance tax up to 230 in 2022. It's going to be up to 244 in 2026, which I think that's where the players might have deferred or conceded a little bit. I know they wanted a little wanted more than that towards the back end, but. Uh, of course, Major League Baseball also tacked on their uh, fourth tier threshold. I talked about <laughs> it a little bit in the first half, yeah. unofficially known as the Cohen tax, which is, is yeah. extremely flattering. <laughs> um, <laughs> can you break this all down for us? Because I know that the, the the percentage on overages, like me and, and everyone listening, you guys know Matt Brownstein. We were texting on Saturday trying to figure it out because Ken Rosenthal put out a 17.5% number that came out to be almost exact to the 80% overages number. And, and, you know, we're just laying on on that side of the, uh, on that, on this side of the sport, the business side of the sport. So would you break that down for us? Like, let's say the Mets get to 320 this year. What does that all work out to? Yeah. So uh, what that means is that they would be in that fourth tier, the Cohen tax, which he had a great line, I think, today when he was asked, like, do you mind that this has been informally called the Cohen tax? And he said it's better than having a bridge named after you. So <laughs> I really like that. He has obviously the utmost confidence that the That's confidence amazing. That money can bring you. But uh, yeah, so th- that means if they got to 320, which he said that they were going to cross it. I think that what they're at like 285 now. Yeah, and 290, like 290 is the, uh, the threshold. I was just throwing 320 out there as a. Uh, yeah. So if they were to make one more big signing, that would push them uh, to that point. And what that basically means is that $30 million would be taxed at 80% rate. So uh, uh, 24 million. Four, yeah, 24 million. So um, yeah. It, what is that to a guy like Steve Cohen where it's know, Robinson Cano. It, it, you just yeah. put an extra cardboard cutout of Robinson Cano in the, in the <laughs> dugout. You're, you're accounted for. And it's worth every penny if they win. Right. Because, you know, with fans back in the stands with this market and this fan base, uh, you know, the Mets fan base is one of the most loyal. It, they always come out to the park, regardless of the quality of the team. And so if you have a good team, another world series run is going to, bank tons and tons of extra money. It's going to pay for that easily. And then I don't remember the exact figures, so forgive me, but when the Red Sox were over during their 2018 run, they they had been over after that for like a couple of years. So, But with those couple of years, they ended up spending just a, a few dozen more million. And so for a guy like Cohen, I, I think it's obviously worth every penny, and he's not shying away from it to his credit which I think is why uh, the, the Mets weren't really the ones pushing back on this. Um, and, and I think that that's very exciting. So, uh, yeah, this new 80% tax rate, uh, I guess it's designed to scare off Steve Cohen, but I'm not sure it's going to work. And uh, <laughs> he, he seems ready to spend, which I can't, uh, I can't believe that this is life as a Mets fan now. You go from the – the Wilpons who, you know, they'd spend occasionally, but it wasn't always in the best way. And uh, you, you almost had to be more of a, a prospect hugger because you were scared of what the front office was doing. And now you're at the point where, okay, like JT Jin uh, gets, gets traded yesterday, but you bring an all-star back in the process. So it's, uh, it's a great time to be a Mets fan and, and wow, it's uh, awesome to have Steve Cohen in charge. It really is, you know, and, and 
I think you hit it on the nose. Like we're, we're, we were so conditioned to being one certain type of fan for so long. Mm-hmm. And, and we're all still getting used to just, I guess somebody put it up on Twitter. Like what have Mets fans done to be, to, why do they deserve to be getting spoiled? <laughs> like, do we, where do we start? Oh my goodness. Where do we start? Like I know you hit it on the nose. Like, is this real? And it, you know, we we've seen good off seasons blow up so many times and you know, they haven't won anything just yet, but Oh man, this is, um, yeah, this is extremely exciting. Yeah, it is. And, and it gives you so much confidence, I think as a, as a fan to know that they're going to have the leeway to to do these things. And he wasn't necessarily scared to go over and blow through it last year. He said that. So um, I'm really glad that we got this CBA hammered out because I'm just so excited for baseball season to start. Oh, and we're, and we're like, you know, 20, this is going to be out on Monday. We're going to be 24 days away from, from opening day, which, you know, if I had my way, I think spring training should be four weeks every year, but you know, maybe, maybe, maybe we'll hammer that, hammer that out in the next CBA. Yeah. No, and, and like, do you think there's going to be a rush to get guys ready? Like, I know Max Scherzer said he, he's hoping to hit 100 pitches on opening or whatever, his first start. Um, do you think it's going to be a challenge for some guys to get, you know, season ready in four weeks? Uh, I think we'll hear a lot of those, uh, you know, those canned lines, like in the best shape of their life that we hear every year. <laughs> but it's just on on uh, individual basis, if they've been spending this time, this has been a prolonged off season. If they've been spending this time uh, staying in shape, then it shouldn't be too much of a problem. I thought last year was a bigger issue because you go from 60 games to the full slate. And then I, I think we saw it with uh, with Taiwan Walker, too, towards the end of the year where maybe he had some arm fatigue. That second half of the season really struggled. I think now that we did 162, we've had this long offseason, if uh, – if they've been staying ready, then they don't have to get ready. And um, I'm hopeful that that they'll come out of the gates hot um, rather than, you know, have to climb back. Yeah, no. And, and, you know, I guess that's part of the reason that I think getting in 162 was probably really important to both sides of the owner side, of course, the income and on the player side. And just from a team perspective, I mean, Baseball's 162 for a reason. There's going to be ups, there's going to be downs. And, you know, if the Mets are going out and spending all this money to win a championship, you, know, you want to take advantage of all the time you have to, to make sure everything's perfectly right before you get into the big dance, which, of course, is their, uh, their, their, their you know, optimal goal. Do you think that more owners are going to spend now that we've got this, uh, these extra two teams that are going to be getting into the playoffs? I... I I think it might take some time before they spend. I think you're going to see trade deadlines become a lot more lively, which of course is always fun. Middle of the summer, you know, the season is not really much of a shine to the season anymore. It's just, you know, we're in the dead of dead middle of baseball season. Um, The trade deadline is exciting. And I think that with more teams in contention, of course, there's going to be a lot more teams hoping to go for it. And um, I think adding through trade will eventually say, Oh, you know, one team will realize, Hey, we can handle a a 25 million, $30 million player on our roster. And other teams can say, well, if they can do it, we can do it. And um, yeah, you know, you got to hope there's almost like a domino effect of uh, what do they say? It's a copycat league. Oh, well, if they can do it, we can do it. And, And, you know, hopefully, you know, there's such, like you said, there's historic revenue. There's just ridiculous profits 
at this point, and of course, with the new revenue, with the broadcast deals and the streaming deals, they're going to be starting up soon. You know, just so much money going into these owners' pockets. Why wouldn't you want to go out and win a world championship? I mean, that's what the Wilpons never understood, is that you put a winner on the field and fans are going to come every night. They're going to watch every night. They're going to come and spend money. They're going to, you know, they're, they're going to buy beers on nights. They weren't going to buy beers before because it's a, <laughs> a different atmosphere. It, it's, yeah. you know, that's how you... You know, that's how you do it. And and now the Mets have an owner that is willing to invest to bring, you know, to reap those benefits. And it's uh, I guess the exciting is the key word of the day because it really is. It's, it's just I'm over the moon as a fan. And at this point, we've seen enough wildcard teams make that deep run uh, once they get in that I, I I'm hopeful that there are going to be more teams in middle markets, kind of like we saw it with uh Cleveland, obviously, they were winning the division um, in the mid 2010s. But um, those few years, their owners, who are pretty tight pocketed, I would say, they spent to try to win. And I'm hopeful that we'll see more teams in that kind of uh, typical payroll range uh, spend to try to get that last spot, because then that has the potential to be really exciting. That makes up for not having. Uh, the potential of game 163 that that makes up for a lot of teams not spending on payroll to begin the season. If you are in a good spot towards trade deadline, like you said, uh, I, I would love to see some of those those teams that, um, you know, their fans haven't really gotten a chance to see their team ever play in the playoffs and, uh, and just make moves. So uh, and, and add salary. So um, I'm excited about that- the potential of it. I was kind of hoping that the Marlins were going to go, we're going to really kind of be one of those middle of the ground teams to go. And really they're on the lower end of that, but um, they have such a good young core on both sides yeah. of the chalk, offensive and defensive. Yeah. And, you know, before the lockout, they were in on, on, on Castellanos possibly. Yeah. And a couple of other names were floating around and, you know, Jeter quit towards the end of the lockout and, and now they're not spending money. And it's like, it's, a, it's back to the doldrums for them. But, you know, this is a, um, it's an opportunity for a team in that position, you know, with such a bright future that's already in house. And even if you have just a little bit of money to spend, it can, it can make such a, it can make a world of difference. Yeah. And, and and supposedly that's why Jeter stepped away is because they were no longer going to be willing to spend the money on Cassianos. But that's really unfair. I think to, to Kim Ang, because given the resources, I think that she could really build a winner. Obviously they have that great young core and um what a fun yeah and and you think about it um kind of like with the the brian flores lawsuit i know this is crossing into the football territory but um part of what he's alleging is that basically that these coaches are put into not so great situations and then they don't have uh as long a leash as they would deserve or that other candidates who look different would have so i'm hopeful that with her getting this opportunity for the first time and clearly being qualified, having this great career in baseball, being highly intelligent and, uh, and knowing the the game that, you know, if they're not going to pony up the resources, then they need to give her as long a leash as possible. So that was uh, worrisome when Jeter stepped away. It really was. And, and he, like, and, you know, I I've said it on the show previously. I'm, I, I'm a closeted Marlins fan. I really am rooting <laughs> for them. Um, just, it, it, you know, roster aside between Kinang and, and just 
what they were doing. I, I'm, I'm also, I, I don't mind Derek Jeter. I'm probably one of the very few Mets fans who could say that, but it, it's, you know, I was, I was, um, I was hoping that they turned around and I was hoping that they turned it around fast because I'm a big fan of a lot of the players in the system. And, and even some of the guys who are coming up now, um, you know, jazz Chisholm, of course, is, is very yeah. exciting young player. I love yeah. Jesus Sanchez. Uh, the pitching staff is just, you know, so much talent there, you know, I think that Jeter's even on the surface, just, Oh yeah. Jeter's here to, to turn this into a winner. I think that kind of shot a, you know, a bolt of energy through a young roster. And I think that them missing out on, on even just his outside presence, it's going to, it's going to set them back. And I hope it doesn't affect Kim Ang and, and, and shorten that leash because that would be extremely unfortunate because uh, one of the brightest minds in the game by far. Absolutely. Oh, Taryn, I can't thank you enough for joining us, man. Yeah. Uh, it's always a pleasure. And I'm so glad that we had an opportunity to, to talk about this. Uh, one thing that I would say that people should watch out for uh, Senator Bernie Sanders said this week that he's going to introduce a bill um, that looks at stripping baseball of its antitrust exemption. Uh, as I'm sure a lot of people know, baseball has had unique treatment in, in the eyes of the courts when it comes to uh, the antitrust act that um, stems from the federal baseball case, which is uh, a very old case and, and a very different way of looking at the game. Um, so it'll be interesting to see once we get into sort of the rhythm of the season uh, where we have games every day and people are excited about it, if that's able to muster the necessary political support to see some sort of action on that. And obviously, you know that the owners will have all of their lobbyists in full force uh, trying to prevent that. But I, I think that that might be the, uh, the next battle. So uh, I'm excited to see what happens with that as well. But yeah, again, oh, I think we're going to have to have you. We're going to have to have you back on the show to, uh, to break that down for us. All I know about the antitrust, I guess, the exemption for the, the, the Sherman. It's a Sherman Antitrust Act, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Hey, Mr. Fulton. Shout out to Mr. Fulton. What is that, 11th grade, <laughs> maybe? Thank you, sir. Um, <laughs> I, I believe it's, what, 1920-something that it's been around since? Federal baseball? Uh, uh, I, yeah, I couldn't even tell you. But oh, my it, it's very old. It was... yeah. Definitely early 20th century. Oh, that's, you know, if they can bring that down. Oh, my goodness. But, yeah, we'll have to get into that one day because that's a uh, I think that's a full episode worth of history. We'll have to get into. Yeah, that that changes how uh, baseball is able to treat its labor uh, completely. So, uh, yeah, (laughs) there's still so much more to uh, to to sort out. And I'm just excited that we'll be able to watch some baseball while they do that. Excellent. Taryn, um, of course, Conduct, uh, Conduct Detrimental Sports Law Review is your new newsletter, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been doing it for uh, probably close to six months now. Um, you can subscribe at ConductDetrimental.com and uh, you can follow me. Uh, I'm on Twitter at, at TK Sharma Law. I uh, always love to talk about baseball and all the other sports. Um, I'm excited, man. Same here, man. Uh, I can't, can't wait for, for games to start up and uh, – Again, we'll definitely have to have you back. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time, Tim. Oh, likewise, man. We will talk soon. And everybody else, we'll be back next week. You guys know the sign off until then. It's Let's Fucking Go Mets. And uh, we'll see you next time. Peace.